Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me. Have a special episode. Oh my goodness, my mind is blown that I actually got this guest. He is from Geeks and Gamers. He is the director of content development. He also has his own YouTube page, which is part of now of Geeks and Gamers, The Nerd Life with Chris Kiku Kubayak. Kubiak. Kubiak. I did it again. Everybody, please welcome Chris Kiku Kubiak to the show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Eddie. What's going on, man? Yay. Um, <laughs> now, this is kind of our first time like meeting one-on-one, but uh, he has some phenomenal content, everybody. Great reviews about movies and video games. He, his tattoos are amazing. He has so much knowledge of his nerd life, and I love you how you talk about your life in retro games and retro movies because you you touched on one of my favorite movies, The Last Dragon, which kind of touched on this topic. So, um, The Last Dragon is amazing. It, oh, it truly, it's an amazing movie. Yes, show sure enough. <laughs> Who's the man? Which I which is funny because. Um, and I mean, we have to actually talk about this, you know, I'm white. Uh, and that is not a typical movie that I think a lot of white people know about. Uh, and that's, it's really from the area of New York City that I grew up in. And, you know, the friends that I had that mm-hmm. I was exposed to that actually in the late 80s, um, early 90s on WPIX Channel 11, New York City. Uh, they would do like Kung Fu movies, right? Yes. And that was one of the ones that came on. And I remember my my friend Ferris Scott, who's named after an, an Egyptian prince, uh, tells me, you got to watch this movie. You'll like it. And it just, I loved it ever since then. So, Oh, wow. It's funny that you mentioned about uh, white people not knowing a lot about uh, The Last Dragon. A lot of people, some white people actually in my area do in other places. That's amazing. Yes. But if you tell them The Wiz, they'd be like, what is that? See, I know, I know about the Wiz. You know, Di- that's Diana Ross, baby. You people, can't, you can't tell me about Diana. Oh, people do not know the Wiz. They were just like, they made a black version of the Wiz of Oz, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you in now the, just found this out. I mean, Michael Jackson was the goddamn scarecrow. Yes. You gotta know that, buddy. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, me and another person, we was talking about Minister Society uh, back in the day. I was just like, that's that's one of those. I think that's better than uh, Boys in the Hood. I think Minister Society is better. Uh, that is a debate that will forever rage throughout time. Which film in the early 90s, gangster movie, did you like better? Menace to Society or Boys in the Hood? But I got to go with Boys, man. Cuba. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I think Boys in the Hood had so much of a realistic West Coast feel. Yeah, you know, like like it was more serious. Where I think Minister Society had more of how an independent movie can be shot, but yet still get praised, like it was a big budget movie. I think Menace to Society also glorified the whole gangster lifestyle a little Mm -hmm. bit more than Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood really showed the harsh realities of it. Um, And even if you go back before that, what's the name of it? Uh, uh, Bloods. It's called Bloods. It's got Robert Duvall and Sean. Is it Sean Penn? It was one of the Penns. I think it's Sean Penn. Uh, I think it was Sean Penn. 
uh, was his like partner and whatnot. And they were, you know, battling uh, like a gang war in the, you know, late eighties. Those movies though, if you haven't seen them, you go see them. And there's also juice. Um, the, oh, you don't want to talk about juice to me. Mm-mm. The one with- I will talk about juice for this whole episode. <laughs> Why? I, will, I, will go on. I love juice. Juice yeah. is juice is so representative of New York City in uh-huh. that time, right? And it's just man. Uh, I remember growing up. God, I, I had to be eleven or twelve when Juice came out, and HBO would play it all of the time. And we would just watch it, like just all the juice, 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 juice. Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur. Yes, just oh, so good, such a good movie. I watched actually Juice on VHS. I've never seen it on HBO. It was always on VHS. I think one of you got to remember, I'm like 35. So, (laughs) Um, uh, Chris, I'm 37. Are you? You do not look 37. I'm 37. You don't look 35. Yes. 1980, April 10th, 1980. Just any women listening to this show, you want to get this guy's genetics because he looks like he is 16 years old. You will look young forever. I If I cut my hair, I literally, one time I had, I was already bald-headed. I had walked in. I'm coming from work. I got a suit on. And when I was going with my friend to his son's basketball game, and one of the, uh, one of the security guards going to be like, well, are you waiting for your mom? I'm like, I'm the one that drove. I don't even <laughs> go to the school. You mean you have worked at this school and you don't know the students who go there. When, there's no book bag on me. I'm wearing like a $100 coat. I got on like $50 dress pants, a shirt and a tie. What high school kid have you been watching got almost $200 worth of dress up stuff in a high school? I mean, it can happen. I mean... I've worn expensive stuff that when I was in high school, I actually, I was a little bummed out since we're talking about age recently. I went to a liquor store to buy a, a friend of mine, a birthday gift. Uh-huh. And uh, the lady didn't card me. She was just like, cool, have a nice day. And I was like, I was like, really? Am I, I finally hit that point in my life. Oh, my heart, my heart. Well, at least you didn't get carded for buying the Highlander too. The quick. That's true. That's true. I, I don't At think even Walmart. when I was 17, <laughs> I was carded uh, to purchase a movie. At Walmart, I was carded. I'm like, out of all the places, really, Walmart? <laughs> y'all going to call me for the quickening for Highlander, t- I, and I still haven't watched that movie. You should have been like, y'all should have been happy that I'm buying this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it was only $5, so I'm not going to complain. That was, no. in, that was during my DVD phase where... When every time I go to Walmart, that two hundred dollar bin or that five dollar bin DVDs, I was I was there. I was, I was at it. Uh, I remember that point in my life. Actually, funny aside to that, uh, Virginia Matson, who's in that movie, I actually interviewed once. So, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I know we haven't even got to the topic of the show right. yet, <laughs> but um, everybody, I have Chris on to talk about martial arts films, and we're going to just be like talking about uh you know how important to us some of the fight scenes uh because chris is also starring in a short film that i'm gonna let him talk about but chris welcome to the show um give us a little bit of your gaming history or your nerd history just just let us know who you are um god nerd history um I grew up on Star Wars and Superman at a very, very early age. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was always played at my grandparents' house. 
in fact, to this day, my grandmother still has the VHS tapes that she had when I was a kid. And she talks about how they're pretty much run through from that day and age. Like, not that over time they became dilapidated. Just I ran them out. Uh, <laughs> my mom uh, would always take me to see Star Trek movies and things like that. My uh, my family, oh, you know, would get me a Game Boy or, you know, some sort of video game system. Those things were always in my life. And in fact, I didn't know that I was a nerd until I was in high school because uh, I didn't really, when I was, you know, a preteen, middle school, elementary, I didn't really talk about those things with my friends. We talked about sports and I played sports and whatnot and I did martial arts. Um, but when I got to high school, uh, it seemed like the only thing that we, that I would want to talk about is Star Wars and video games and stuff like that and comic books. Uh, so, I mean, when it comes down to my nerd history, if it's from the mid nineties, early nineties to now, I probably have been a part of it or have watched it, read it, uh, listened to it, played it. Um, God, uh, I have yet to be beat at seen it, the movie trivia game, not once. So yeah, you would beat me. I've never played it. I uh, that includes the board game and the Xbox version that came with like the little buzzers. I would play online, and it would just it would be absolutely terrible. I, uh, I would have people, forgot that. Yeah, I would have people block me for beating <laughs> them so bad because they didn't want to wind up in the lobby with me again. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I uh, I mean that's just. I guess growing up uh, now I started podcasting. I've always wanted a podcast, but I started podcasting about three, four years ago. I created a show with two very good friends of mine called Neek the podcast, uh, which you can find on YouTube still to this day. Uh, we don't record anymore, unfortunately, but that was my first foray into podcasting um, and the greater nerd world through that. I was able to moderate panels at, uh, comic conventions and interview certain celebrities and comic book artists now for geeks and gamers uh, with the director of content development. I review movies. I podcast again. We just started up a show about two months ago called geek pulse radio, which is uh, myself as the main host, the editor in chief of geeks and gamers, Jonathan Youngblood, who is young, but very talented and very experienced and insightful. Uh, and then a gentleman named Chris Clow who has written for such publications as BuzzFeed, HuffPost, um, got Fandango. He's written several articles for Fandango. Ooh. So we all have had experience with celebrities and uh, going to conventions and just nerd culture in general. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Um, as Edward brought up, I was in a short film uh, that is currently being edited, and it's in post, as they say. Um, it's about probably going to be about 15 minutes. I play the main villain Tanja and I was, uh, cast because of my moderate acting ability, but the fact that I had done some stunt work and, uh, I've always been into martial arts and fighting throughout my life. So yeah, serve it's called survey. It is a post-apocalyptic tale about a female warrior trying to protect a little girl who is abandoned, uh, in like the post-apocalyptic wasteland and myself and two others are bandits. And we try to uh, sell them into slavery pretty much. Oh, wow. That's cool. The trailer is out. So you guys could check that out. Um, It's a, it was shot very good. I was just like, Ooh, this production 
they put some money into this production. Uh, not not as much money as you think. Um, we did crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. I, I think the budget was a little over five thousand dollars that we managed to actually get um, from crowdfunding. I didn't get paid. None of the actors got paid. Uh, we did this as a passion project. The yes. director is a very good friend of mine um, and a friend to everybody who was on the set. And uh, the director of photography is actually a professional cameraman. Uh, he's worked in some Hollywood productions. His name's Kevin Almodovar. Uh, and it was just, it was an experience. And he's, Kevin was a great director of photography and the director, the actual director, his name is Steve Wise, knew immediately what he wanted. He had a shot list all set up. So we managed to film it in about two days, uh, not have to go back for reshoots, which was fantastic because getting thrown on your back 90 times every day is not as fun as it looks in the movie. Um, but it, it came together. We had a lot of help. A lot of people volunteered, uh, where I live in Florida, people are very into the arts and very into filmmaking. So we definitely had a lot of people just kind of reach out and say, Hey, well, you know, we'll help with this and whatnot. Uh, and we had the very talented Lemmy Cruz, uh, who's a special effects makeup artist, um, that deals in gore and stuff like that, that came on. And he's actually a personal friend of mine. Uh, and just, you know, made everybody, you know, look, uh, when they got cut, look really gross. And then we had uh, this girl named, or woman, I should say, Lisa Van, Van Amberg, who kept me looking dirty and grungy uh, with her makeup effects. So yeah, she, it was uh, it was really good. She was really good. I know. I think you had a picture of her on your Instagram or something. Uh, or it might have been your Facebook page. I know you had, and it was her kind of doing your makeup and stuff. And yeah, like, Lisa. Ooh. She, she, uh, she definitely kept me looking dirty. Uh, she kept my hair. It was funny. Uh, my hair at the time, uh, was a little bit long and I had grown it out and then shaved underneath, but it was, it was strangely cut. So we turned it, it looked like I was an evil Rick Astley, uh-huh. you know, like I was never going to give you up, but I'd probably kill you if you turned your back on me. Uh, <laughs> so that was the, that was the running joke while we were shooting was I was evil Rick Astley. Oh wow! It would be so funny, Dad. <laughs> wow, the fight is, the fight was about to happen. Never I to may or, I, yeah, I may or may not have sang that song uh, <laughs> several times in between takes, uh, doing goofy stuff. That unfortunately we didn't get on camera, but still, it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, uh, Servi, you guys can check out that trailer. Uh, you'll probably uh, let us know when the release date is coming. It's it's probably going to be later on in this year. I'm assuming. Um, hopefully it's the end, uh, well, we're at the end of July right now. Hopefully yes. it's in the first couple of weeks of August. Um, if not, if we go into September it would be really cool. Cause that's my birthday month. So that'd be a really cool oh. gift is to be like, you know, got to film out. I have another film that I'll be shooting hopefully, um, in October where I play the lead, I will be a dirty cop. Um, so I get to use my New York accent, which I hide proficiently through non-regional diction practice. Um, and <laughs> I get to get have another fight scene. So, uh, this one's going to be a little more brutal. No weapons, just hand to hand. And I think if I can set the stunt upright, I will be thrown through a table. Oh, so, so it should be fun. That should be fun. Yes. Well, uh, we're going to get into actually the show uh, about martial arts. Uh, because of Chris uh, doing uh 
being a martial artist himself. Uh, and just like uh, when I was watching, like I said, The Nerd Life, uh, you were talking about The Last Dragon. And I think you posted something about, You posted something, and me and you just started talking back and forth about yeah. martial arts movie. And I was just like, you have got to come on the show. I'm like, I have <laughs> to have him on. Uh, but why did you get into martial arts? Uh, the movies, the actual practice. Um, you know, in all honesty, I, I can I can point to The Last Dragon as piquing my interest in martial arts. Um, you know, as you know, growing up in the 80s, martial arts was a really big thing. Yes. Um, in the movies, on television, uh, everybody wanted to do it. You know, dojos were popping up all over the place. So I started taking Taekwondo um, for, I want to say, about three or four years. And I was a I was a badass little kid. I'll I'll admit that. Not you know badass like with my martial arts, but just I had an attitude and uh, very anti authority. So I I remember I quit doing martial arts for a while. I tried to get back into it, and the first match I had, I got my ass kicked. It just handed to me because I'd been out of practice for so long. Wow. Um, and I got my ass kicked, and I gave up. And I you know I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I retained a lot of that knowledge. Um, you know. As I got older, and I remember in high school, I was always kind of small. I was about five foot eight. I could never break 125 pounds. Uh, and I would get picked on a lot. And luckily, that came in handy sometimes, but I did get beat up a lot more than, you know, get out of fights. Uh, when I got to be older, though, in my late teens, early 20s, I was hanging out with a group of people who liked to street spar. Uh, we would literally go into the middle of a street and throw blows at each other. And everybody had a different style. Um, one guy was actually a boxer. He was training, you know, to actually fight. Uh, I had another guy who did Taekwondo. Um, one of the guys did, uh, it wasn't Gojiru karate, uh, Kempo. It was Kempo karate. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the time I had come from, I was living in Germany. I'd moved to New Mexico which is a, a whole other story. But when before I left Germany, I had started practicing Wushu uh, and Aikido because of my size. Wushu is very fast, um, especially if you're doing, you know, the arts of Wing Chun or yes. uh, Zing Yi, which is straight line fighting, uh, which is good for my size. Um, Wing Chun being developed actually by a small woman, uh, you know, for to actually take down larger opponents because most men were, were larger than her. And Aikido is literally using somebody else's force against them. So when big guys would use their force against me, it was easy for me to get them off balance and throw them down and, you know, stop the fight or whatever. Um, so going back to the sparring group, I had a lot of time to practice that stuff. And eventually uh, in about my mid twenties, I started bouncing at a one of the hardest bars in Las Cruces, New Mexico. It was called the Welcome Inn. Uh, and again, I, I was the small guy, so all the big drunk guys would come after me. Wow. And, uh, you know, I would have to, again, defend myself. So now in my 30s, uh, and I haven't fought in a very long time, uh, once in a while I'll, you know, practice some stuff. I have a punching bag here in the house and whatnot. Um, but all of that stuff really got me into martial arts movies and knowing how physical you really have to be to pull off some of the stuff that we see in the movies, especially nowadays, has always excited me and interested me. Um, I know, like, if you watch Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, Ty Mac 
is a is a physical guy, but he's you know it's classic eighties kung fu, right? right? You don't need almost anyone could do what he was doing. Um, but when you get to somebody now like Tony Jaw, you have to be a master of that discipline and very athletic and very focused on what you're doing because doing a double twist roundhouse kick in the air is not something that just anybody can just get up off the couch and do. And, uh, you know, that's really what got me into those movies was the fact that I wanted to be able to do all that stuff. You know, I should have just said that instead of explaining in that long. <laughs> no, long no, way. that's, that's good because like for me getting into martial art movies, uh, I, I see it almost as the dance and during the eighties, like Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson choreography amazed me. Like dancing just amazed me. And when I would watch like some, some someone like John Claude Van Damme, Jackie Chan, um, uh, when uh, I started getting introduced into Jet Li and uh, and this, even some of Bruce Leroy's movies, the those fight scenes, the way that they float just felt like a dance, and like the camera angles and everything. And I was so wowed by it by the martial arts that everybody was doing, like the splits, the kicks, the punches, the counterattacks, and all of that stuff. I wasn't even thinking about style. I was just thinking about this is cool to look at. Yeah. And like a well-choreographed shot as a kid was just like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And because my mom actually let my brother go to martial arts, she didn't know that I wanted to do martial arts. So she didn't, she never took me. She never signed me up. So I had video games and I had art. So <laughs> I was drawing. And uh, like on the past episode of Optional Opinion, I talked about combos. And I was just like, combos originated from martial arts because of all the moves that they were doing. Um, and I think combos didn't come into play in uh, video games until I think personally for me was like Killer Instinct. So, you know, right. the way that Killer Instinct looked, I was just like, this kind of reflects on the old school martial art movies. That's the, definitely yeah. the 60s and 70s. Well, somebody who has done choreography uh, for fight scenes, it is dance-based. Um, and I grew up dancing as well. Uh, one, because my mom put me into dance classes as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then two, growing up in a predominantly African-American area and going to a school that, you know, we we had dances. And if you wanted to talk to girls or, you know, be <laughs> one of the cool kids – you needed to know how to do the butterfly. So yes. I did the butterfly. <laughs> uh, but um, when it comes to actually doing, you know, those fight scenes, the choreography, there is timing involved. You know, you are counting beats. You are, you know, responding to uh, somebody else's movements. And if you cannot do that, uh, you will not be able to do uh, a fight scene in a film because uh, I'll put it to you like this. I've been doing these things for a very long time. You know, I've done choreography where me and my friends, you know, just choreographed a fight to fake in front of a movie theater, right? Yeah. Uh, to now doing one on film. And even with all of my knowledge and all of the practicing that we I did and even the rehearsals with the people that we were doing the fight scenes with, I still got hurt. Uh, I got hit in the head with a staff. I got whacked in the back 11 times. Ooh. Uh, you know, but you got to sell it for the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, if you if you don't have that sort of written like natural rhythm mm -hmm. um and you're not very good at learning it you are not going to be able to do that uh it's very hard yeah uh me being a choreographer of dance because uh 
you know, I, t- uh, I used to be in a dance troupe in uh, elementary and part of high school. Um, and I actually took a dance class in college and also taught, uh, you know, chore- you know, choreographed some routines and stuff. I, I'm thinking in my mind that the most important thing is balance and like kind of like memorization and, and martial arts, uh, due to the fact that wire food was introduced to stuff. There are some scenes and stuff that you literally have to have balance and you have to have, and and that balance includes of you landing right on your feet, uh, knowing the correct way, how to fall. Cause you could get really injured in that, you know. Oh, absolutely! Like if absolutely. you if you actually watch some of Jackie Chan's older movies, um, and you see like the uh, extra footage and stuff, it shows how he got hurt in a lot of stuff. And it was just like, yeah, you gotta focus. You you gotta know your balance. You gotta know where to hit and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not just uh, balance is is definitely one of them. The other one is distance and timing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know when you're talking about falling, yeah, you need to, you need to have balance. You need to know how to fall. Um, you know, you need to know your body pretty much. But when it comes to throwing a fist at somebody, uh, it's one of the things that uh, all martial arts masters have always said, and it's actually something Jet Li said was. Uh, the master doesn't isn't doesn't isn't the one that knows how to hit hard. He's the one that knows how to show restraint. So one of the things that I was always taught, especially when I was learning Chinese boxing, was how close could I punch to someone's face and stop myself? Um, because that means that I have control over what I'm doing. And when you're doing choreography, you need to have that sort of control. Now with camera angles. Like, uh, there's a, uh, I have a picture that I posted where I'm winding up for a punch on my opponent and I'm actually pretty, I'm actually far away, but the camera, the way it's angled makes it look like I'm very close. Yes. Um, but on stuff that I've done that where I'm up close, when I'm, it looks like I'm wrapping on someone's body, my fist might be making contact, but I'm not making full contact, even though I'm going full speed. And that sort of practice is also very hard. So there's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There really is. Yeah. Cause, um, I was, uh, watching, uh, a video on YouTube and it was just, uh, talking about kind of like wire food and stuff. And they were talking about cutaways. Like, you know, you'll see like someone feel like, looks like they're getting punched and you'll hear that sound effect, but mm-hmm. they're not really punching them because of that cutaway. And that cutaway kind of adds to the effect of that person getting punched or kicked. And that's and that's that's what we we did um, when shooting. Uh, you know, cutaways. Uh, we actually do have an entire overhead shot of the entire scene being done. Um, you know, so we could so that the editor can put them in sequence and whatnot. Uh, you know, and use different angles and mm-hmm. things like that. But uh, there is a you know one of the angles was from behind the uh, it's a woman i'm hitting i know my mom wants to hear that uh you know where the camera's in my face but it's coming from over her shoulder and i swing and she you know turns her head and it looks exactly like i'm punching her in the face but i'm probably a good three feet away uh you know for safety reasons obviously yes uh but there are some you know sometimes when you have to know your routine well enough to be able to throw a punch at someone's face and have that timing with that person to where if you're getting as close as possible to make it look real that they're turning. So your fist will miss their face. Otherwise you're going to clock somebody. Um, actually on the set, the, uh, the female leader names Anna Faulkner, uh, 
in the movie, her name is obviously Servi. She actually grabs somebody in a headlock and punches, you know, supposed to be punching him in the face. One of the times that we were going through that scene, the guy, when he was reacting, brought his head back down too fast and she clocked him right in the forehead. You know, even though she was right, the fact that his timing was off and he wasn't quite aware, he got nailed right in the forehead. Uh, so, you know, you're going to get hurt when you do that stuff. You are. But to add to the realism of it's in the movie. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, is that, uh, you know, if you've never been hit before like that, um, and look, a lot of when you watch Hollywood actors, you know, and you think, oh, man, you know, these guys know their moves and they're tough. You know, I'm not, I'm not calling them, you know, weak or wussies or anything like that. But you, there are a lot of people who've never been hit before. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, maybe accidentally, but have never been punched in the face. Uh, and if you don't know what that feels like, the first time, first couple of times it happens, you are going to react to it. Like you're going to break character. You know, you're going to grab for your face. Um, because let's face it, uh, you know, it's something new, right? And it, right. it catches you off guard. For instance, on the flip side of the coin, if you've been hit a lot, say like someone like me, one of the scenes we were shooting, uh, she's supposed to kick me in the stomach because I'm, I'm on all fours on the ground and instead kicked me in my male parts. Uh, I continued in character until the, the director called cut and then I went and screamed because uh, it hurt. So I, have I been kicked there before? Yes. yes. <laughs> so immediately I knew what the pain was and I managed to bite my lip and just shut up and let the scene get, you know, rolling. So when you watch these movies and you see these guys doing all these things, you got to remember that a lot of times they get hit and they're staying in character. And that is one of the hardest things to do uh, is to get popped and, you know, be like, I'm okay to finish this scene and not say anything, you know, continue on with the action. So, yes. Uh, well, uh, just a side question. Um, mm-hmm. have you did you watch Daredevil on Netflix? Right. Yes. Um, I think it was the second episode. They was doing that long shot fight scene in the uh, hallway. In the, the hallway. hallway fight scene. Yeah. Um, why is those so hard to do? Is it just because that it's just it takes long, or the, well, what you're talking about is uh, okay. So, um. Just to kind of put it in perspective, when you go see a Marvel movie um, in theaters, okay, mm-hmm. and there's some heavy action scenes, right? Those action scenes are actually shot in like three to five seconds at a time, right? So, you know, Captain America does a combo. That's three seconds. They call cut, right? Right. Then they move on to the next thing. They're, they're three, bur- you know, three second burst. Everyone can reset. You know, you're not expending a lot of energy and whatnot. The Daredevil hallway scene is uh, literally pulled from the raid. Okay, uh, if you haven't seen the raid with uh, Iko Uwas, yes. uh, I s- highly suggest you see it because his hallway fight scene is literally the precedent for every hallway one take fight scenes that you're seeing in movies nowadays. And it's important to know what one take means. One take means. They say action and the entire action sequence happens, uh, which means that hallway scene that you watch, if you watch it, right, it starts off fast, right, and brutal and whatnot and all that stuff. But by the end, uh, Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, looks, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's acting tired. He's not. He's actually tired because you're talking about 
a two minute fight scene that he's being as physical as possible. That would wear anyone out. You know what I mean? With everything that he's doing. Um, The reason it's hard is because if one person messes up in that two minute fight scene, you have to reset the entire scene, right? Because that's the whole point of one take. You're doing it one time from start to finish. You're done. Uh, So if you get halfway through that fight scene, someone trips, um, you know, uh, someone's like for him, you know, uh, daredevil, the, the black sash falls off of his face. Um, what do you call it? The lamp that gets thrown doesn't break against the wall. Uh, you know, anything like that. And they have to call cut and you literally are starting all the way back from the beginning. Yes. So that's why that those types of things are very hard. Um, like I was saying, we did an entire shot, an overhead shot of the entire fight scene in survey. Um, and by the, it's maybe two to three minutes long. Uh, and I actually get some breaks. Like I get to, you know, pretend like I'm really hurt on the ground and gasping for air. Uh, but by the end of it, I was so worn out that, you know, I had to take 15 minutes to, you know, just be like, you know, cause you're, you're going from a static, you know, waiting for the director to call action. He calls action and boom, you're right into the action. There is no warm up. There is, you know, doesn't matter what you do beforehand because you're going to be still. And then all of a sudden it's action and you got to go, 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 go. And literally go remember every move, remember the timing. If there's breaks, you know, spacing, not to hit someone, uh, you know, praying to God that your prop weapon doesn't break when you try to swing it at somebody. <laughs> there's all these things that could go wrong in uh, a single take action scene like that. So that's why it's super difficult. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I was, because uh, everybody was just so wild by that. And I was, I was kind of like, oh, that, oh, that was one take. Oh, okay. You know, I could see where the breaks were coming at when he was going into different rooms. But then when he was going through the hallway, you see that there's really no editing. So there's no cutaways or, nope. you know, everything is just shot the way that it is and it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I was wondering how what your thoughts were about that. I was thinking about that, uh, like earlier today when it popped in my mind. Be like, I wonder what he think about those one shot fight scenes. Well, um, I mean, and, and look, it, you know, for Charlie Cox not being uh like a died in the wool martial artist mm-hmm. to do that and do it convincingly, like kudos to him, man. But watch the raid because that hallway scene where he's like taking on like fifty guys, yes, and. It's one shot and he's not in a small hallway. Like it's, they're tracking him, you know, throughout like an entire apartment building. And it's just, it's phenomenal. And as somebody who's a martial artist, uh, you know, an aspiring actor um, and wanting to do both things in movies, you know, the fact that he has that much stamina that the stuntmen and himself are that trained to fight, uh, you know, like that is just, oh my God, like it blows my mind. You know what I mean? Like you, you just sit there and you're like, Oh my god. Like great, fantastic. <laughs> and the ray actually came out of just nowhere. Um cuz it's it's an Indonesian martial arts film. Um, right. And I and when I was even looking up Tony Ja, it was he was like a Indonesian martial arts. Uh cuz well, he's Thai. Well, he's Thai. Oh, he's Thai. He's from Thailand, yes. Okay. Um I thought he practiced Indonesian martial arts. Or what is it just uh, is it just the movies that he's in? No, well, Ong Bak was was a, a Thai movie. It was based in Thailand. Um, it starts off in uh, Namba Parbat, uh, which is a small town in Thailand. It okay. is actually a real town. Um, and he goes to Bangkok. Uh, 
what was it, the protector. He goes to Australia. Um, now, I, the thing about Tony Jaw is he was actually a dancer and a stuntman. And actually, um, for for people who aren't like that knowledgeable about martial artists uh, in movies, most of them started off as dancers, even the great Bruce Lee. Uh, there is only one martial artist that I know of, um, you know, and my knowledge, while I feel is pretty great, I could be wrong, you know, that, that's a, a very high possibility. There's only one martial artist I've ever known in films that is a legitimate martial artist. From birth to now, he is, that is all that he's done. Um, so Tony Ja started off as a dancer, um, and he did a little bit of martial arts. He did a little bit of, you know, cause in th- Thailand, obviously Muay Thai is the national martial art, right? Yes. Um, for Ong Bak, he had gone and read, uh, old scripture of Muay Thai fighting that they don't, they didn't practice anymore. Um, it was, it's this true story. I remember reading this and listening to Tony Jaw in an interview oh, this talk is about it. fascinating because I know, and, I didn't know nothing of this. Um, and it was based off of animal stuff, which is why they continued on with Ong Bak and brought it back to the past was to show how his form of Muay Thai had started off. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you that because I was wondering why it, because Ong Bak feels like it's a, it's a, by itself, it's a full complete movie. Right, so right, this- and, but but the sequels are, you know, where he learned, you know, uh, where his character would have, you know, the monks taught him this style of Muay Thai, right? Okay. So, um, if you if you notice what we were getting from Muay Thai in the eighties and the nineties, you know, uh, was competitive fighting Muay Thai, which is they have their hands, you know, really high up, yes, you know, and whatnot. But if you look at the way Tony Jaw was fighting. His hands were lower, more boxer style, um, and he had read these old scriptures and himself and the stunt coordinator who was also a uh, – I believe he was a master in Muay Thai. And the director took these took these movements, right, um, with his athleticism and combined them with modern Muay Thai and stunt fighting and created what we see him do on screen now. Um so actually, if you watch the first Ong Bak, uh, you know, he's he's like saying, you know, like night throwing spear and, you know, like the elephant comes crashing down. Those are actually the names of the moves of this ancient form of Muay Thai that he's now wow. bringing into the modern day. Wow. I didn't even know that. Right. Wow. Yeah, because Ong Bak 2 is like, I think it Ong Bak 2 outdoes Ong Bak. I, I'm, I, that might just be me. Two um, was, I think two had two has some phenomenal fight scenes. It does, but I think when you look at what Ong Bak represents, right, that yes. first film, um, Jackie Chan was the de facto. I do my own stunts, and I'm a martial artist guy. Up until Ong Bak came out, and you know, and I'm not trying to dull Jack, Jackie Chan shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Jaw's never done anything fucking remotely crazy like Jackie Chan has. And I'm sorry for saying the F word. Oh, no, um, no. But, you know, Jackie Chan would let himself get thrown through like three floors of a building, you know, get up and continue fighting. But when you look at the athleticism of what Tony Jaw was doing with his own stunts, mm-hmm. you know, like that flying cartwheel in between the two panes of glass yes. being carried down the street. Or that slide underneath the SUV and whatnot, and you're just like, this is the next level, right? From Jackie Chan, it's Tony Jaw, and then he jumps up on some guy's shoulders and runs over them and gets away from the group, and you're just like, holy crap. And, 
when you see him do it in real life, because when Ong Bak first came out um, and they were showing it in theaters, I remember uh, a lot of people were saying that, you know, he used wires, right? Especially for the jumping up on people's shoulders thing. Uh, and he went to a French premiere and he lined up his stunt crew, right? Uh-huh. At the, like literally in front of the, the freaking movie screen, okay? Lined them up runs at them, jumps up, runs across their shoulders and lands. And everybody in the audience is like quiet for two seconds. Like we were all wrong. This dude is the most legitimate thing ever. And then they all start applauding. There was stuff that I would think he, when I was watching Unbuck, I've never seen any kind of wire work. Nothing felt like, felt like it. Cause if you watch old Japanese, uh, martial or Chinese martial art movies, you could tell where the wire the wire foo is at you could kind of right. you could kind of see it and well what they were talking about what they were talking about was like they just like the wires lifted him you know what i mean yes. and maybe held him afloat and whatnot um and you know they're like if you watch it real quick and you don't really like go and study it it's possible but when you see him do it in real life and then you see him doing you know all these crazy flips in real life like they're just so easy mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh and just it's just, yeah, I don't know, man. Like he is Tony Jai. It's unfortunate that his films haven't been as good as they could be. The fight scenes have been, but the stories aren't very relatable uh, because he should have been the next like great big thing in martial arts films. Well, I well, I don't really know who is the uh, next great big thing. You know, well, I think right now it's Donnie Yen. Uh, well, but Danny Yen has more of a resurgence in a way. Well, I, I think what it is is that um, when Jet Li stepped down, Donnie uh-huh. Yen stepped in, right? Yes. And don't get me wrong. I've been watching martial arts films long enough to know that Donnie Yen has been around a long time. Uh, I've always highly respected him. Iron Monkey is a great, great film. Yes. Um, and actually, if you've never seen Once Upon a Time in China 2 uh, – I which need is, to watch that one. I seen the first which, one, which is good, but two I didn't the, get the chance to see. Well, two in the 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 you know the big boss fight right of martial arts movies. At the end of that one, it's Jet Li versus Donnie Yen. Uh, Jet Li with his typical Chinese whip and Donnie Yen with a pole, uh, and it's pretty legit. Uh, so you know Donnie Yen, it, it, and that's the thing is that I think a lot of the real martial artists have. Um, that we're familiar with have, you know, they're, they've gotten older, they've stepped down. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like Tony Jaa and, uh, Iko Uwais, the guy who is from Indonesia, um, or Malaysia, I think he's from Malaysia. Um, I'll have to check on that, but mm-hmm. you know, these guys are very, you know, very athletic, great martial artists, but they haven't been able to really break into the American zeitgeist. Um, too much you know the martial arts fans yes we recognize them they're great you know we we love them but you know jet lee is jet lee right you know right. Uh, jackie chan is jackie chan uh bruce lee is bruce lee chuck norris is chuck norris um you know so yeah i think also a part of it is too is that these guys are um you know they're from different countries and it's they, they haven't really tried to do any English speaking roles. And I think that's something that endears American audiences. Unfortunately, it, that's what it takes to endear an, uh, an American audience to a martial artist because Jet Li, if you remember, wasn't big until he did his first American movie. Right. Uh, well, it, it's weird that you say that because like a lot of the martial art movies, if they weren't shown like on like a local TV or anything, um, 
they would be on VHS and they was kind of considered as B movies. But when right. DVD, once DVDs came out, you start seeing all these Japanese and Chinese martial art movies appearing that you've never seen or heard. Well, I mean, I think you also got to look at, you know, how the 80s and 90s films, um, you know, open the door for more countries to flood the market. You know yes. what I mean? Uh, with their films, you know, by the time DVDs came out, you know, the internet was around too. And when VHS was, you know, first coming out, no, it wasn't. So word of mouth is spreading, right? Right. People, people are going, you know, able to say like one of my favorite, uh, martial arts movies of all times is called Fighter in the Wind. It's from South Korea. Um, and it's about mm-hmm. one of the, um, originators of Taekwondo. He goes around Japan kicking everyone's ass. Uh, but it's a really serious movie. It's really good. Um, anyway. Uh, you know, I would have, my friend Kurt introduced me to that film because he was stationed in South Korea. Um, this was God, like 10, 10, 11 years ago. Right. And, uh, when Kurt introduced me to this movie and if it wasn't for the internet, like right now, you wouldn't know about this movie. You know what I mean? Cause you would have never heard it from me. Uh, and it would have had a much slower, you know, word of mouth and whatnot. So now the doors are open, you know, people are, you know, get, you know, able to, get into these movies and, and see different movies now uh, much easier than on VHS or like you and I had to wait for that, you know, for you it was at night for me, it was Saturday afternoon uh, when they would show martial arts movies on TV. Actually same uh, here. Saturday, Saturday afternoon. afternoon, right? Yeah, yeah. Saturday afternoon was the time you watched Kung Fu movies. It was usually two or three of them from noon to about 6 PM, 8 PM. And then you had the big movie of the night, you know, come on whatever channel it was. And it was usually, you know, something that had, uh, it wasn't like new, but it was within the last two or three years, you know, and it was like a big deal. First time on TV. <laughs> American Ninja. Oh, can't right. Believe that oh, movie. yeah. American Ninja or like Conan the Destroyer was always on. Conan yes. the Destroyer was, uh, but I think, you know, uh, people don't have to do that now. But the, you know, the, I guess the negative part of that is once you've been, uh, initiated into the Hong Kong action scene, you realize how flooded that market is. And you're only going to really want to be interested in like the names among names. Right. Yeah. So I remember when I first started getting to Hong Kong action films because of Jet Li, uh, you know, uh, or actually it was earlier than that. It was Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan who really got me into that. And I was just like, I, th- I think I was looking through them, uh, like one of those, you remember those books that you could get where you could like order imported like VHS. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean? it was like, a, it was like huge. It was like an encyclopedia. Right. Yes. Uh, and I was asking a buddy of mine, like, you know, what movie should I, I get? And he was like, only look for names you recognize. Cause you're going to get fucking lost. Otherwise there's no point to it. So, and I think that's what most people feel about, you know, uh, at least Hong Kong action films, right? Because you're just like, there's too many. They're coming out. Uh, I know you wanted to bring up the Shaw Brothers, right? Yeah. The Shaw Brothers made a thousand films in between 1967 and 2011. Uh, and in reality, they made like 99.9% of those films between 1967 and 1985. That's in 18 years, they made like a thousand films, right? Yes. That's, that's just insane. Uh, you know, so... I, you know, I think when people have been introduced to it, they're only looking for like Jet Li, Donnie Yen, uh, Sammo Hung, Chow Yun Fat. Uh, you know, I, I remember I was looking for John Woo films and that's how I got introduced to Chow Yun Fat. Okay. See, John Woo is a whole different story because everybody talks about John Woo and his 
gun foo. Uh, mm-hmm. when it comes when it comes and I really need to actually probably go gotta, gotta go on Amazon I wanna see if there's a John Rue collection of his older movies on Blu-ray cause I really wanna order it order it cause I didn't get to any any of John Rue's wait, films wait 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 so wait so you've never seen Hard Boiled no oh my god oh my god I failed I failed I failed go rent it can go I, rent it right now can I tell you I heard of Hard Boiled but uh it was a, when the, when the time came out, I was just young and I wasn't able like to rent movies or buy movies or, or anything Hard like that. Hard Boiled is legitimately the the precedent for like John Wick. Okay, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Like like Chow Yun Fat is Detective Tequila is probably one of the greatest things that has ever been made. Now and uh, I remember and I know Chow Yun Fat. He he's really good in movies. I love his stuff. Well, the funny thing is, is Chow Yun-Fat is actually a classically trained actor. He's won, uh, like, the Oscar for China, like, Uh like 11 million times, right? Uh, He was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and it was funny because I remember when that movie came out, I was already, you know, like, I already knew who Chow Yun-Fat was and knew Uh John Woo. And I remember everyone going, oh, man, Chow Yun-Fat's such a badass martial artist. And I was like, he is not a martial artist. Just because they're Asian with a sword and they do a little bit of kung fu in a movie does not make them, you know, that's racist. You need to stop that. <laughs> uh, and then I would show them hard boiled and they'd be like, oh, he's an action star. And I was like, sort of, but here's 1941. So you watch that too, uh, because that's the movie he won like, uh, the Chinese Oscar for. And it, it's, it's an interesting oh, nice. story. Um, yeah. I, I know, uh, uh, for America, anyone who, who, don't know who John Woo is. If you watch Face Off, he made that movie. That yes. insane, uh, crazy movie. Well, Mission Impossible Two, he also directed as well. He uh, did. Yes, John Woo is Mission Impossible Two. Good sir. Oh my goodness! Why did I? I forgot all about that. <laughs> and and now this is why I never lose it. Seen it because I remember the crazy trivia like that. <laughs> when you won this episode, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, uh. Uh, we touched a little bit about wire food and wire food was uh a technique that um the uh art the uh art, artists the actors and actresses they were connected to a wire so when they got hit or they did like a jump or something it they would suspend suspend belief so they would like get hit punch hard and then you know you see them fall like five to ten feet back or they'll jump so well, I mean, all in the air or fly i think the be- I, you know it was to exaggerate the moves right and yes. make it you know these martial artists look like they had superhuman powers and whatnot uh and every martial artist that came out of the hong kong scene in the 80s and the 90s um and even now to this day some of them still kind of use it mm-hmm. uh you know, Wire Fu was – I actually never really liked Wire Fu. Really? Uh, I, I really didn't. Uh, for me, Wire Fu takes away from the grace, the beauty, and the true strength of martial arts. Um, you know, and a lot of the times, let's be realistic, it was really ridiculous. Like it got to the point where it was just like, you're ruining this for me. Um so, I mean, I mean Wire Fu's cool. It was really cool in The Matrix, right? Yes. Uh, because I think that's what really brought American audiences into, the, you know, the whole concept of Wire Fu. Um, and then there are names – there are names of people uh, who, you know, invented techniques of Wire Fu and, and stuff like that that uh, 
if you go to like China or Hong Kong or even Japan, their names are just as big as the actors who were in, you know, using the wire foo. Uh, Wu Ping uh, is probably the greatest name of wire foo that yeah. you could ever think of, but he's also a martial arts, you know, stunt coordinator. Like, uh, he doesn't need wire foo. He's put together some really intense fight scenes throughout his career. So, yeah. Um, another thing about some martial arts of the old ones was, I, I think it was, I think stuff felt like it was in reverse when they would flip to the ground or they would flip up on like the roof well, or something. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's uh, camera techniques. You know, when the company was poor. Uh, and couldn't afford, you know, the wire rig because look, it takes an, it's not like, you know, you just throw wires over a branch and you start, you know, yanking on them to get the guy up in the air. It's actually a pulley system. So you don't get hurt if you couldn't afford that. Or, um, for a lot of those companies, they might have, uh, especially in, in Hong Kong, you know, like the Shaw brothers, they might have four movies filming at the same time. Yeah. Right. And only two wire rig systems. So two films, the ones that they think are going to do really well are going to have those wire rig systems. The other two have to come up with something else. So what they would do is, is they would film a guy doing a front flip, right? Like off, uh, you know, off, uh, a roof into some boxes or hay or, you know, a mat if they could afford it. And then they, what the editor would do was run it backwards. So it looked like he was jumping up, back flipping onto the roof. Uh, you know, I mean, look, American, uh, uh Hollywood has done that before too. So yes. Um, well, speaking of American martial arts, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme, back in, in definitely in the 90s, he was a big actor, blood sport, kickboxer. In Hollywood. But yeah, yeah. yeah. let's also, let's point out he's from uh, Brussels. Bru- the muscles were, br- the Brussels. The muscles from Brussels, from Brussels. that's right. <laughs> oh, yes, everybody, please watch Street Fighter and just laugh at that craziness. Actually, you know what? I thought Street Fighter was good when I was a kid. But then I rewatched it. I'm just like, this is just goofy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was goofy. I never. I mean, even as a kid, I could never understand why they cast Raul Julia as M Bison. I was just like, why is Gomez gonna be one of the baddest ass <laughs> characters in all of video games? This makes no sense to me. But you know, whatever. What yes. do I know? I, I think Street Fighter the animated movie was way better. And those and that animated fight scene, of course, Chun Li's uh, famous shower scene. I yeah. still think that's probably one of uh some people might argue uh what's the best kind of martial arts animated you know scene, but I think the Chun Li one just stands out. Something about it's just like historical. The scene with uh Ryu and oh god, what's his name? The guy that acts like Bruce Lee um in the Fei Street Long. Fighter games, Fei, Fei Long, yeah, right. Uh, and I've used this move. I caught someone in this move. I swear to God, okay. And I want to use it in a movie. Uh, I've been begging a couple of the guys that want, you know, fight scenes done to let me do this in a movie. So Fei Long goes to sidekick Ryu, right? Mm -hmm. Ryu catches his ankle in between his elbow and his knee and breaks his ankle. I was like, done. That is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I don't need to watch anything else animated. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that movie. uh, Street Fighter animated movie. Um, of course, Jet Li. Uh, I don't really think there was. A, I think Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren was he Lundgren. into martial arts? Also? Dolph Lundgren is actually a former professional kickboxer, uh, legitimate kickboxer. I want you know what I'm going to look this up while we're here because I I seem to remember that he actually won a belt. Um, 
Okay. Uh, and well, I, I, why are you looking it up? Um, for me, definitely, uh, Jason Statham, uh, later down early in the early two thousands, like I think he took over a lot of good martial art movies. And when we can talk about some of our, you know, favorite movies, of course, for me, it's the, uh, it's transporter. Um, it's a one shot that he, uh, kind of do. Um, it's like some kind of jump kick where he's on the side in a way, like your body is flipping like almost on the side, but it's not a full flip. Where your where the kick is coming overhead, it's all coming on the side. It's like a two way kick in a way, and then he lands and he fixes his coat on uh, the transporter. Um, that's kind of my introduction to Jason Statham um, when he came onto the scene, and I was just like, I want to see every martial art movie that you are in because <laughs> I thought that was really really cool. Uh, of course, uh, Kiss of the Dragon with Jet Li is a good one. Um, Rush Hour had that comedy kind of zany, zany kind of fight stuff, uh, where, you know, Jackie, Jackie Chan was doing all the fight scene and, uh, what's his name was being a loud mouth. Um, and I can't think of his name. Why can I not think of his name? Chris Tucker. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, he knows, uh, okay. Just to, you know, interject, uh, he knows Kyokushin Karate. Um, I seen he's been in fights and I know he's lost some and he's won some, uh, Dolph Lundgren. That's who I'm talking uh-huh. about. Uh, but yeah, no, Dolph Lundgren, uh, actually does know how to fight. He is a, an actual fighter. So, oh, cause did he do a, one of the American ninjas? Oh, no, you're, that's Michael, uh, Dudikoff was American ninja. Dolph Lundgren was red scorpion. He was in universal soldier with John Claude Van Damme. Yes. Um, he was the original Punisher for those of you who don't know. Yes. Uh, there was a Punisher movie with him and Louis Gossett Jr. Name you don't hear very often anymore. Exactly. Uh, so, um, but going back to Jason Statham, you know where Jason Statham wanted to learn martial arts from, right? Do you know uh, that story? No. Do you remember the movie The One? Yes. Jet Li and Jason Statham? Yes. Jason Statham watched Jet Li perform martial arts every day on set and begged Jet Li to train him, and he wouldn't. So he went off and learned movie martial arts, and that's how he became the transporter. Wow. He's really good at it, Uh, even in the Craig movies. But there's just something about Jason Statham, like his acting, his – I don't know. It's just something that's just like – I just love it. it I'll put it to you like this. Before he got big, you mm-hmm. know, semi big, I liked him. Uh, now I just kind of feel like he's like if he would have only done the transporter as an action movie, right? And because he was actually a dramatic actor to begin with, right? He was in movies like Snatch, um, and he was really good. Like I actually yes. enjoyed him in that film. And then he did the one with Jet Li, right? Um, and he also did War with Jet Li, which was just absolutely horrible. Um, but if he would have just done the transporter series as his action vehicle, right. And not try to continue on as this like badass action star, mm. I probably would have a lot more respect for his martial arts ability. Um, but you know, the fact that he's in the expendables kind of says it all at this point. Well, you know? it's the expendables. is just, it's a money gig, you know, Sylvester Stallone. And, I mean, I mean it is, but I, you know, I don't think 
like we're talking about martial artists, you know, in films, I'm yes. not going to count him because he's not an actual martial artist. Right. Uh, to me, into my mind, like, yeah, you know, if he trains in it now, cool, that's great. But, you know, uh, I think for me, the way that I, I view martial artists in a film is if you were a martial artist and you came into film, you know, uh-huh. uh, and, and you can tell because a lot of martial artists try to highlight the beauty, the history and the physicality of what they do in, within their films. Right. So, you know, we have, we talked about Ong Bak, right. And it right. shows like, you know, the love of the heritage of Muay Thai. Um, in every film that Jet Li has almost ever done, it shows the beauty of Wushu, right? Even yes. the one, the one, you know, with Jason Statham, he shows two forms of Wushu that American audiences had never seen in a movie before in Bakwa and Zing Yi, uh, which are two of the three internal martial arts of Wushu, the other one being Tai Chi. Um, you know, it, that's when you know you have a real martial artist on screen, right? Uh-huh. It's the same thing with Bruce Lee, right? Listen to how Bruce Lee would talk about his, you know, his Kung Fu moves in those films. You know, he, there was a, like an honor and a respect to the way that they treated it. You know, Jason Statham has learned this stuff to fight in movies and you can tell he wants to do it to make himself look like a badass on screen. You know, there, there's, there's, for me, there's a difference, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, and plus there's in American movies uh, of now, there's not that montage of training. You know, like sometimes if you watch an old, one of the old school martial arts, they would showcase this actor doing this training, doing their like different moves and stuff. And that was kind of expected in martial art films. And, right, right. And, and like Jean-Claude, like not really Jean-Claude didn't even do it because if they do a montage, it's like a song montage. Well, I mean, uh, well, yeah, but I mean, that's like 80s style, right? Yes. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme did do training, though. I mean, if you look at Bloodsport, you know, they show him training a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit, right, in uh, in Bloodsport. In Kickboxer, half that movie is him training, right? Like, yes. So, I mean, uh, he's had movies where, where he trains. Jet Li has had movies where he trains. Um, I think now, you know, when you look at the, the way that, you know, people who use martial arts in action cinema now, you know, it's almost like audiences, they don't want to be on that journey of them learning how to do martial arts. They just want to die in the world badass and just follow them along that path, right? So, like, the reason John Wick is so uh, so popular, right, and it was such a good movie, was that you go from, you know, this this incident to him being John Wick, right? We don't have to wait for him to become that character. He already is that character. Right. Um, and I think they're, they're doing that a lot more now where, it, you know, they don't, they don't want to give you the character, you know, um, or the whole movie is them becoming that character without, you know, that training montage. Right. I mean, also there's not a lot of competitive, you know, martial arts movies anymore, you know, with a sport like uh, best of the best, right? Yeah. You, know, you, don't, you don't see a movie like that anymore, or even, kickboxer which is a story about revenge is still the revenge is in a kickboxing ring right so yeah that kickboxer too though i was just like thank god i watched it on netflix (laughs) i'm just like i would not pay no money so you you know they went to like four or five movies right a kickboxer kickboxer? yeah they did i thought it was blood sport no, no, well, no, no. you're two. right. You're right. Bloodsport, they did a sequel. Uh, I don't know if they did a third one, but Kickboxer went on. Do you, funny side trivia question. Do you know who took over the role from Jean-Claude Van Damme? 
for Kickboxer 2. Uh... Well, he's in Kickboxer 2, 3, and 4. I don't know if he's in 5, but I know he's in 2, 3, and 4. Uh... This, is this is a hard one because no one expects this guy to be an actual champion kickboxer, and he is. Oh. No, I give up. It's, once you say it, it's probably going to hit my head. So do you remember the TV show Step by Step? Yes. The, uh, Cousin the, Cody. Yes. He was, his real the, name is yes, is Sasha Mitchell, who is a championship kickboxer. He, that goofy stoner guy who lives yes. in the van could actually whoop someone's ass real easily. Oh, goodness. Once you mention Step by Step, his face appeared, but I pop, couldn't pop think of his name. Yep. Yeah. It's cause, see, that really threw me off. Cause I'm just like, you played as the dumb one. When the heck did you start learning martial arts? Huh? Well, I mean, Kickboxer 2 oh. was, uh, what do you call it? You know, the, the brother dies in Kickboxer 1, right? Jean-Claude Van Damme brother? Yes. So in Kickboxer 2, they kill Jean-Claude Van Damme and they have an even younger brother to come take revenge again. And it's just like, oh, okay. It's how many how many family members does this family have that all know martial arts? Hmm. <laughs> right. Oh goodness. Uh and well, there's also some offbeat weird ones. Miami connection. Uh <laughs> is these are some of the be- good bad movies uh that I learned from watching this hearing this podcast called How Did This Get Made? Of a partial, and um, uh, they did Jim Cotta. Uh, oh, don't you dare shit on Jim Cotta! Jim Cotta that movie is, is amazing. Jim Cotta is everything and more. That oh, fight scene so in the village when he's dude, when, when, yeah when he's doing like the pommel horse yes. thing and he's like flipping around and like kicking people in the face. Dude, it was one of my favorite 80s, like, obscure movies of all time. Like, if you do not know Jim Cotta, you need to get out of your house right now and go smack yourself in the face in front of a police station. If you like, can find it, watch on, Jim Cotta. If you can, it's on YouTube. There's a way to watch it on YouTube. That's how I see Jim Cotta. Do it. And I've never heard of it because I'm just like... I, I watched Jim Cotta for the first time, you know, as a kid in New York, right? And I remember... Uh, my mom worked on, uh, volunteered uh, for an ambulance service in Brooklyn, right? So once in a while, I would have to go with her, you know, to work and I would be hanging out at uh, the station. Uh-huh. And there was a video rental store like right across the street. And they always had Jim Cotta and I would always try to rent it, but it was rated R. The guy would never let me. And anytime I'd ask my mom to rent it, she would say no. Uh, and then I remember, oh, man, I don't even remember. Like it was years and years before I ever saw it again. But I was in a conversation like this. I was talking about martial arts movies and somebody asked me, you know, about obscure martial arts movies. And I was like, man, there was this one fucking movie where it was like a gymnast, but he was like kicking everybody's ass in like a town of like mind controlled people. And like, just randomly a friend of mine goes, dude, Jim Cotta, I have it. And I was like, shut your mouth. We're going to your house right now. We're going to watch this. Yes. I, I found it on how did this get made and I watched it. And I'm like, okay, the co-openness, this guy, this, and he's a Olympic gymnast. He's an, an a legit, like medal yeah. award-winning Olympic gymnast. He's on a bar, uh, just doing his gymnastic thing, and then he lands. The movie starts, and then he runs past a girl, and the girl's just like, "Don't leave!" And I'm just like, 
okay, what was her, like? You don't see so her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's such a weird movie, but like, it's so good too. At the same time, like, it's one of those like weird good movies and you I, I don't know like you have to go into it going i expect nothing out of this film but weirdness and some kick-ass jim Cotta. And like he, that's and he's supposed to go in this finish and be a secret spy to sit in a yeah, satellite like, you, for the star so, wars so, so check this out the first time i ever played resident evil 4 right uh-huh when he walks into the village and they all seem like they're mind controlled right before you find out you know they're infected with the new t-virus i'm like dude if Leon could do Jim Cotta, this would be perfect because <laughs> that is literally the setup. You know what I mean? Like literally the setup. Yeah. There's one point he's on a bar swinging. It's some dude cuts down on his bike and gets kicked. Kicked in the face. Yeah. Yeah. He's also like, like I remember there's a well and he's like, you know, like palming around the well and like kicking people in the head. And so dude is so good. Like, um, I gotta go watch it right now. Yes, Jim Cotta is one. That's why I say it's one of those good, bad movies. Cause oh, definitely. Because it's the the uh, uh the hymns the hymns something screen. It's like a particular screen that people mm. uh do. You can see the dummy flying down. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and I was just like, "What is this goofy?" No, you have to watch Miami Connection. You know what other movie is so bad it's good? And it's a Jackie Chan movie. It's called City Hunter. You ever yes. seen City Hunter? Yes. Is, is that the one that uh, he hits the street fighter machine? And yes, turns into yes, yes. And he's fighting Richard, the the first Richard Norton, not, you know, not or, you know the one we know now the, like yes. richard norton the 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 guy who actually is a martial artist went to hong kong to become a star and he's always a bad guy uh they're on a cruise ship richard norton hits jackie chan into a street fighter 2 machine and like legit he becomes like every single character from street fighter 2 to fight richard norton and it is fucking amazing Yes. Well, while we're on the subject of, because uh, I know uh, you you gotta get handle some business and stuff. Um, our last portion of this fight movie, like, what are some of our like like some really good action martial art movies? Like I always said, the transporter for me. We both mentioned the last dragon. What are some of yours, uh, Kiku? Some of my favorite uh, martial yes. arts movies. I mean, we, we've mentioned a lot of them tonight, you know, like Ong Bak. Uh, you know, the, uh, I actually do enjoy the first Transporter. Uh, I wouldn't call it one of my favorite martial arts movies. Um, I, like I, how, call, I like how it's stylized. Like, I, you, know, you know, no, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I you know I wouldn't even call The Last Dragon my favorite, uh, favorite martial arts movie to me mm-hmm. because I kind of feel like that it is. Uh, it's a black exploitation flick that has kung fu in it, right? Yes. Um, even though it was done by Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown, you know, whatever. Uh, but the raid is definitely one of them. Ong Bak. Yes. Uh, Once upon a time in China, the first one. There is a scene where they slow Jet Li down, uh, and I, if you don't know, you know a lot about Jet Li. Jet Li has had to be told throughout his whole life that he has to slow down because the camera can't catch how fast he is. Yes. And there is a scene in Once Upon a Time in China where he blocks a guy's fist and it looks like all he does is he elbows him in the chest. I had to rewind it several times and slow down the slow-mo and he hits the guy like four times. Wow. Um, 
Fist even of though Nation, there's a lot, uh, is one of them too. That that yeah, it, uh, like it feels like it's fast. It, yeah, he's. I mean, dude, he's super fast. Fearless is another one of them uh, by Jet Li, where uh, it that movie always makes me cry at the end, like legitimately. But it's a, it's a very good movie. Um, man, martial arts, man. A lot of the stuff that like I like it because it's goofy, but it uh, was also like good. Kiss of, uh, Kiss of the Dragon. Kiss of the Dragon by Luke Basson. Oh my God, yes, I uh, love that twin fight. Yes, that's a very good fight. Um. I'm trying to think of like some of the some of the like ones that have really good fights in it. Um, Return of the Dragon, the fight between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris is yes. always a classic. Um, and you know what? I don't like Chuck Norris as a martial artist. I don't. I'm, he does nothing for me. You know what's funny? Um, and I, I almost put this a kind of on a racial thing that. Chuck Norris, a lot of white people really liked him as a, you know, an actor and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, in martial arts films. Now, when it came to stuff like Missing in Action or like Lone Wolf McQuaid from that time, like everybody got on board with those films, you know, the, oct- no, the octagon was martial arts. But like as a martial artist, I've noticed that they're like, like people who grew up in the time that Chuck Norris was really popular, you know, it was, uh, it was very much white culture, you know, because on the flip side of the coin, you had, um, Jim, uh, God, what's his name? He was in uh, Enter the Dragon. Jim. Oh. Uh. What's his name? Jim. He was in Hot Potato. Uh, I'm looking it up real quick. I'm sorry, folks. No, no. Uh, well, while, while Kiku's looking that up, uh, to me, Mortal Kombat, as bad as it may be for some people, no, I still think Jim that's Kelly. A, Jim Kelly, yeah. Uh, he started in a lot of movies, too. Jim Kelly was in a lot of martial arts movies. And what's funny is I think during that time, like that we grew up, you know, you had the black community really love Jim Kelly. I mean, obviously, and he was a good martial artist and he was a real martial artist. I'm yes. not going to try to take that away from him, but then you had like Chuck Norris on the flip side. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, Jim Kelly in hot potato, actually a lot of his fight scenes are really cool. Uh, and that's just a great movie just in general. Um, oh my God. I can't believe we didn't even mention him. Any movie with Billy frickin' Blanks, because that man is a muscular, just badass, all right? Um, Also, Michael Jai White, okay? Let me tell you something. When I saw Michael Jai, I can't remember what movie it was, but Michael Jai White in a movie jumps up, right? Just straight jumps, no running, just straight jumps up and lifts his legs and, like, kicks a guy on the side of the head with both, like, feet. Yes. And I was like, dude. Dude, Michael Jai White is a real martial artist, and he is a legitimate badass. He has a lot of movies on Netflix. If you guys have not seen his work, like you might see him in the, like the Tyler Perry stuff, like some of those actor stuff. You need to watch some of his fight movies, like his action was, movies. Um, I mean, he, I mean, he was Spawn. But we try what? not to remember that. But you know, but I, I didn't have a problem with Spawn when it came out, and. I think it's because I watched it on VHS. I didn't really go to the movie theater for that one. Um, Did you read the Spawn comics at the time? At, at, part, at, point of, at part of the time, yeah, I was. Uh, they was actually selling them at Walgreens. But, but, I mean, were you, like, really into the Spawn comics, or was it just, like, something you picked up once I, in a while? It was, so, it was something I picked up once in a while. Okay, so uh, that's why. That's why. Yeah. That's why. Right there. Right there. Right, we, we figured, mystery solved. That's it. What, what, do you want, what do you want to know why? Because, uh comic books in my area is not popular 
if I want to go get a comic, comic, I had to go to Walgreens. Or... No, I mean, I understand that. I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm just, it's, you know, me who was, I was like super into Spawn. So when the movie came out, I was like, yes, yes. And I love John Leguizamo. And then I watched the movie and I was like, this is nothing like the comic what's going on plus hbo had that really killer ass animated show on oh that time. animated show was and the that best. show was the bomb so and it sucks because they didn't put that series out on blu-ray or dvd or if they got one i need to find and buy a copy if you've got hbo go you can watch it right now i'm cheap <laughs> fair enough <laughs> it's called budgeting <laughs> it's called budgeting um, yeah i don't i don't know what that is <laughs> your the wife does it because I'll buy every single piece of camera equipment I possibly could afford uh, if I didn't if she didn't budget. So <laughs> anyway, moving on. We call that love. We're gonna keep right at that. Um, any other kung fu or any bad like kung fu flicks? Even it, one that it got hyped up because we mentioned war. You mentioned war, and right, right, you know right. it stole on the premise that Jet Li and Jason Statham was fighting. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you watched that movie, it was just like, uh? it wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of fighting going on. It was, uh, it was very misleading, and it pissed me off. Um, the Protector uh, with Tony Jaw, which was his second film, uh-huh. uh, is actually got a lot of really cool fight scenes. You know what? And it's a name. He's a giant prick. But if you ever want to see Aikido done correctly in a movie, anything of the early Steven Seagal films. Granted, the plots to all those movies are the same freaking thing. Yeah. But a lot of his movements are very true and correct. And it's cool to see Aikido, I, you know, being used properly. Once he got fat and lazy or whatever his philosophy was, I was just like, uh, Dude, he's he's prejudiced. Uh, he's a prejudiced man. Um yeah, I just said, you know what, let's not talk about him because I'll go off on one of my epic, all right, Trump supporter rants. Uh, <laughs> and we know there are also female actresses, but a lot of the martial art movies, I think besides the uh, Five Daddy Women of uh, Venom. No, 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 no. Two women that you need Hold to on. check out. Um, uh, Undefeated. Have you heard of that movie? Yes, with Ving Rhames. No, it, it was not, it's not Ring of uh, Or Wesley Rays. Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is a true martial artist. Watch the Blade movies. Blade. No, um, there was there was a movie called Undefeated with a female lead. Uh, and this at this it's the, Undefeated Three is the one with the female lead because the first one I believe has Ving Rhames in it. I thought, but this is was this in the nineties? Because one of them is when at the end the guy his eye gets get put on a hook. And the hook lifts him up, and he's still holding and wriggling. Oh, yeah. I don't. It's not undefeated. I don't remember what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Um, it was that. Called- that you know, it's Cynthia Rothrock is who you're yes. thinking of. Um, yes. and that's actually one of the actresses uh, or martial artist. She's a true martial artist. Um, because she was she went to Hong Kong to be a star. Uh, and she's really good. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock is one you want to check out. Um, I always mess her name up. Uh, Xi Jing Yi. Uh, the one that was in like um, the the Daggers movie. She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as the younger one that fights my all-time favorite female martial artist, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Check everything out that Michelle Yeoh how does. Can I forget She's her? Also going to be the new captain in Star Trek Discovery, which means don't mess with her, Klingons. Fuck you up. I didn't watch the last Star Trek movie, and I need to watch it. Uh, before going into this third one, it was okay. 
alright. The the reboot of Star Trek is still one of my favorite movies of the Star Trek series. I love that movie. Okay. So, uh, that was some of our movies. Uh, um, and yeah, that was martial arts. I want to thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I, I really enjoyed on. it. I um, wish I had, I wish I had more time to just like, <laughs> go off about martial arts, but well, you know, anytime, um, go ahead and plug. What would you like to plug? Um, if you enjoyed some of my opinions, so that'll be three of you, uh, you can find me um, on Geek Pulse Radio, which is on iTunes and SoundCloud right now. Uh, I do movie reviews every week with uh, Jeremy Griggs, who is the CEO of GeeksAndGamers.com. That's on our YouTube channel, which just search GeeksAndGamers.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am highly political. Uh <laughs> And I do post a lot of stuff to Marvel about why haven't they released the Infinity War trailer yet. And you can follow me at Darth Beebs. That's D-A-R-T-H-B-I-E-B-S. Uh, I am a huge Instagram user. Which, so you can find me at Nerd Life with Kiku, which is nerd underscore life underscore with underscore Kiku. Um, or on Facebook, please join the Geeks and Gamers discussion group. We are about 11,000 members strong and growing every day. Um, you can read some of my background articles, uh, stuff about like American gods, uh, the TV show and the racism debate in America, which they did tackle. Uh, I do a lot of opinion pieces for geeks and gamers.com. Uh, I'll be on there once in a while when I have something to say, other than that, check out nerd life with Chris Kiku Kubiak. That is me. And that is where I do most of my socio and political stuff that has to do with nerd culture, comedic skits. Uh, sometimes I review on it when I want to do a spoiler review and I don't want to put it on the main channel. Uh, basically I am anywhere and everywhere you could possibly want to be. And I'm saying something. I don't know if it's good, but I'm saying something. It's honest. It's honest. Yes. It can be um, honestly shitty, but I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, and Chris, don't worry about you dropping the F bomb. You are free to um, say anything that you want to on this show. You have complete freedom. I, appreci I appreciate it. I just, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know the rules and I said it and I was like, damn it. When I say that you could bring up any topic or whatever you would like to discuss, that includes the, you have the First Amendment, freedom of speech, basically. Oh, so, cool. Cool. I'll remember that for next time. <laughs> yes. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at that thatretrocode. At that retro code, you can hear optional opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and the anonymous radio network and other podcast apps that you guys subscribe. Uh, join me on Twitter. I just said that at that retro code. You can follow me on Facebook under Ever Varnell. Check out my other stuff on NGR Radio. I do Nintendo Pod Block, um, Arsenal X, our Xbox podcast. Um, also oh, I forgot you podcast with that, that guy, Corey Hudson. Derek. Yes, my bro him. I'm actually going to see him in uh in uh in September. Cool. Ohio. Give him a kiss on the cheek for me and then just like gently wrap him in the balls and be like that's from Kiku. <laughs> yes. Uh we're getting our spirit NES that day when I go. Fair enough. So I cannot wait. Um and also check out my other podcast, World One One Podcast. Um just let everybody know that in September I am doing the beauty of video games. Uh, where this year I will be talking about handhelds, PC, and arcade games. So you guys will be able to read those features and also be able to hear those podcasts. And a special guest, Eric Hunter from uh, One More Castle, uh, passed it uh, in the past. Um, he's going to be doing the eulogy for this episode, uh, for this feature for this year. 
So, uh, thank you everybody. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. Uh, oh, also, if you guys want to, uh, email optional opinion, you can email at myop2comment at yahoo.com. So with that, everybody, we are out. Hoo-ya! Drop kick or karate chop or whatever. Chris? I mean, usually I just say keep it nerdy and we'll catch you next time. That's, that's it for me. Bye, everybody. <laughs>